This week's episode is brought to you by Colt 45 and Bananas, Breakfast of Champions. Hey, what's going on? This is Tay, the former co-host of Keep It Basement with the Sweens. I see the boy Sweens done blew up without me. You are tuned in to Keep It Basement and Keep It Locked here. Yeah. More fire. Come on, man. I'm too Hollywood for this podcast. Yeah, I heard you tried to get bitches to the crib. That didn't work, obviously. And then your bum-ass intern, very unreliable and unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> Sweeney, I'm going to see you later. Stay black. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's not so bad. Here we have it, folks. Keep it, <laughs> keep it basement podcast. It's time to make my move. Sweet taste of victory like Oprah's Manny. Damn, son, where'd you find this? Are we good, Sweeney? It's good with your audio. Keep a basement podcast. The long-waited Daniel, the Jewish brat, has joined us. I think he's very excited. I am. Because we're supposed to have him on, like, over the past year and just never did. And he gave you a lot of good jokes about it. It's Danny Brat. You know him from, let's be honest, Kill Tony. Murdering, right? Right, Danny? That's your big credit, right? And, uh... Comedy at Merv, if you frequent Somerville, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And just being an overall classic. Do you have any 70-year-old listeners? You ain't know me from Comedy at Merv. Very true. And 70-year-old white listeners, let's yeah. be honest. Not a very diverse <laughs> room. And, you know, just looking about as Jewish as possible with that beard. All yeah. you do is throw a yami on there, and we have a full-blown city in here. But <laughs> uh, Danny Breath, I... thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, finally. I mean, it's that a beard. global pandemic, but I'm here. I love, hey, we, I we, love we, him. We <laughs> have, there's other people that we've you've been on before, so what's the difference? I love him, and, and he actually promotes. He's a good friend uh, as well, and you don't, even, you don't even have him on. Mike you use your, the word friend host. loosely. I like that. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> <Are> you... <laughs> I said you use the word friend loosely. I like that. You don't like me? <laughs> no, no, I like you. <laughs> no, no. He's, he's well, you are a good friend. To... He's joking around, but the, the lag in the video chat is just butchering his <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that bad of a lag, do you? Yeah, I think uh, it's fine. No, nah, I could just see, I could see Mike, like, miss the joke. Like, I see Danny say it, and I just keep seeing Sweeney just frown. That's just yeah. him. <laughs> Sweeney got too self-conscious. <laughs> I, no, I didn't know because he usually makes fun of himself if he was making fun of the fact that I didn't want to be his friend or he didn't want to be my friend. Uh, and then plus the lag. Myself, but I don't know. I'm trying to 
I, my friend Riley told me when I'm too self-deprecating, it makes people uncomfortable. So I'm trying to now just be mean to other people instead of myself. So, so is, that why you grew, is that why you grew a beard? No, this isn't a beard. This is a problem. This means I haven't showered in a year. Wait, do you trim your mustache or it just comes in that thin? No, I just don't have a mustache. I can't grow a mustache. Oh, that's hilarious. That's funny so you said about self-deprecating humor because when I interviewed comedians, they told me like it was the cheesiest way to go about comedy and it was like the easiest way out. And like, it's like weird. If I just walked into your room, you'd have a fit. It shows you. Yo, is that Waldo? <laughs> is that my huh? baby Waldo? He's looking for condoms. We got Waldo. a cameo. Come in, it's Danny. It's Danny Breath. Yeah, he's like, I'm definitely. I think he's about to shower. He's in a shower. He's naked. So, yeah, Waldo's, about to, Waldo's about to uh, fuck himself an uh, online thrift store sale. Shit, I forgot <laughs> who he looks like. I was just Back thinking about it. He looks like someone that I saw on Instagram. It was funny. A celebrity. Uh, the dude that played uh, what's his name? In the, the Waco Napoleon. dude, the what? Oh. In Napoleon um, Dynamite, Kip. Yeah, Kip. I forget that guy's name in real life. So wait, Sweeney, you were saying about Seth deprecating humor, humor being uh, lazy. Yeah, well, yeah. When I back in the day, I interviewed a few, like comedians outside the Stress Factory. I think one of them might have been Schultz, and he was saying because he said to be the funniest form of comedy is when you're around your friends, like those type of jokes, like what makes them laugh, like your inner circle, like that's you being authentic. And then he said at the same time, though, he doesn't recommend self-deprecating humor all the time because it's like in the comedy community known as cheesy, hacky in a way, and also shows you have no confidence in your abilities. So I don't know. I completely disagree with that. He did say that. If you look that up in like 2016. That's fine. I, I don't give a fuck. I believe that's awesome. it. But, but I mean, think about it, though. If you saw a dude set, right? If you saw a dude do 15 minutes of shit uh, that's shitting on himself, like, it's going to get old after a while. You're going to think as another comic, is this all he has? Like, 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 I agree, but I also fuck. think it allows you to get away with some things that... Oh, yeah, I mean, it's not, not your whole act. Otherwise. I, think it's a, I think it's also, it shows you, like, you don't give a fuck, and no one can fuck with you. Kind of like Eminem 8 Mile Theory, what people are big on, like, kind of just evolving <laughs> and being vulnerable. To a degree, to a degree, but it's, it's almost the same rhetoric as, like, the, uh, the, the little guy with the Napoleon complex, like... If you keep sitting there acting like you're tough, eventually somebody's gonna be like, "This dude's not fucking tough, man." You know what I mean? Like, it's very much. It's very much driving the point home. It's it's gonna get weird after a minute. It, I think. I think he had a point because, like, also I remember when I was trying to be like when I was younger to get like not fit in, but like you know like to just be funny in front of girls or people. You kind of would do anything to get a laugh out of some, and I feel like it's desperate in a way. He was saying mm-hmm. to like make fun of yourself to get a laugh. Well, it's a it's a, a defense mechanism. Like yeah, there's exactly. There's the things that I'm self conscious about in life, my sweating problem, whatnot. And then if I talk, if I if I make fun of my two T-shirts before someone else can, then, yeah. Then then I feel like I take the power because if someone else says it, it's gonna hurt my feelings. But if I mm. say it, then it's taking it away from them. I just yeah. own it, even if someone else does say it. I mean, uh, you could also like not like make fun of the two T-shirts thing. You know, like usually people can't spot that you're wearing <laughs> two T-shirts. Yeah, and but that's sweating people- thing. Everyone's I sweat like a bitch. Anybody can make that joke to me too. And, and my dad. And I was watching that Kill Tony clip, and it's almost like also like those guys are professional comedians and like great at what they do. Not knocking it, but one of them was like going. Someone was going like the easy way out and saying, "Oh, you were gonna get a free tattoo. Your dad would be proud because you're Jewish." Like, if you think about it, that's kind of, like, not the greatest joke ever, but I understand he has nothing to work with because he doesn't know you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, also not, all, it's also on the spot. Like, exactly. Yeah. Jokes but, like, anyone's thinking it. that. Like, if I said that or if someone said that, you would probably be like, oh, that's so hacky. But if it's someone, like, already incredible, it wouldn't matter. I don't think Tony Hinch is the funniest guy in the world. For I, think, 
I, I don't know I, who said I, it, but I, it was I, I, pers- I personally think like Red Dead like, definitely not the funniest guy. <laughs> no, nah, it's just that the hacky stuff is 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 you know I think reaching for the easiest joke, and that includes how you say it, because like mm-hmm. there's a different way to kind of like say the same thing. You know what I mean? Like 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 for example, like, I remember somebody was like uh uh instead of like gunning somebody and you're just sitting there like oh dude your shirt's wrinkled and your hair's fucked up somebody would be like oh did you uh iron your shirt and cut your hair at the same time because both look horrible you you (laughs) see what i'm saying like how like you switch it up like i think these dudes are making the same points and they're making the same jokes but it's all about how they're like articulating them I do think also comedy is cool because like if someone paid their dues, like those guys on stage, you wouldn't be like, ah, oh, that shit is whack. But if it was someone like at the open mic night who did that, they'd be like, ah, oh, that's not even creative. It's like a whack joke. You know what I mean? It's like, you get that pass kind of. Depending. Always get a pass if you got credits. But then there's also like the anti joke too, where there's the guy that will like say something that's really hacky, but like, if you're quick enough and you could pick up on his demeanor, you could tell that like, he's like making fun of it. Like there's that too. Yeah. Cause there's, there's, certain- there's a certain point of at what point is if, if you're, if you're being hacky on purpose, it's still, ha- I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like people who do that and they'll just go, I'm, Oh, I know what I'm doing. So it's okay. It doesn't, you're still being hacky. Do you get a nah. pass though? If it's a roast battle and it's like on the spot, is it okay to be more hacky? That's a little bit of a, you get a little bit more of a pass if it's on the spot, but no, I mean, look at, uh, look at like dudes like uh, look at dudes like uh, Adam Newman. You know what I mean? Like Newman is like such a beast that's a writer that like he'll like I think in his uh, in his Letterman set he snuck in like a pun, but like did it so blatantly that like people were groaning at it, and he's just like taking it all in like this is so, great. I guess like with so Danny Bass when I did that Danny Bass thing with the fish, that yeah. was bad on purpose. Mm-hmm. it still doesn't mean it's not bad it was <laughs> it was like it was bad on purpose and everyone knew that it was being bad on purpose but but, it, but but there takes a certain amount of skill to be able to be bad on purpose and nobody's looking at you like that's actually your act yeah you get what i'm like you get what i'm saying like if you oh but you could overdo that too you know what I mean? Like, like same thing going back to the whole uh, being too self-deprecating. I think when you're doing too much of anything, it gets hacky. But like the right amount of whatever, you could it could it could accent something. I think. I think it's no, thing too. There's like, no real rules too. That's the other thing. There's no real rules. Like, is it funny? Fuck the comedy police. Anyone who says they know, I I don't like that. People who just like guys. If you're funny, if you're doing something different and funny, there's so many people, especially if you're an open micer and you're judging someone for doing something different. If it's working, fucking good. Like I don't. Who 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 are we to say otherwise? Right. I mean, especially for a lot of comedy audience. I mean, non-comedy audiences, like people who don't really know the ins and outs, just go to a show. They find hacky stuff hilarious because it's like you know the classic sitcom joke or whatever. That's what they're like used to. They're going to get that more than like, you know, actual good written out long form joke. That's what's weird about audiences because some of them are relatable, like the hacky shit. Like some, somebody who's not a hardcore comedy stand and be like, oh, that's yeah. so funny. They don't know comedy. But like, That's why you could bomb one night and the next night you'll kill. That's exactly why. The same shit. Yeah. I, what, you know what's interesting? When people tell their like come up story, a lot of them don't say like, hey, I was working full time in an office doing this and that. They always act like they were working comics. And I guess a lot of them, some can be, but most majority are working side jobs and everything. What's the deal with that? Someone, 
after they're already successful they don't talk about I, I, yeah. it, like when they're say if you're on rogan like people telling their story they're never like oh i was bartender for like 10 years or like oh no i was doing comedy in like 94 started hitting the road in 97 and i was making a lot of money and it's like it seems like they didn't like ever have a full-time job and would just stick to comedy but it seems like it doesn't seem the case for a lot of people but there's a percentage of people who never really did work and just did comedy the whole time and got lucky yeah, it, it's that but it's also like there, there's some dudes that just refuse to like talk about pre whatever they're known for now like humble beginnings why i hear a lot of come up stories like norman always talking about it it's just nah like that's the formula but there's some there's some guys that literally will just summarize it like like joey like even joe like joey diaz will go like "Ah, i did stand up a little bit then i went to jail and then when i got out of jail i was doing stand up again but like not going hey i really started doing stand up in prison then i got out then went back in then stopped because i had a problem then this then that like you know what i mean they yeah, just but, but you see some of these fuckers always who made money in comedy i just how did that ever happen if you start as open mic comedian and don't have any like no one knows who you are and you're you're making money off the bat like in the 90s so I'll, if you got nah. if you got on the road early in your career you were you just mostly were a comic cuz you that's how you can make your money like fucking uh i remember this Stefano telling the story, he got, he got, he started opening for people. He was like a year in. He's like, I had to do like 20 minutes. I had maybe five minutes. I was terrible. And that's why he got into it so quick. But he'll tell you about his come up story because he was like a physical therapist before that and shit. But some he? people get work early. What was he? A physical therapist uh, with kids for kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was cool. Uh, that was cool. He did something different. Yeah. That was cool. What Francis Ellis was saying, he was like, this is interesting to all the comedians like Danny, Alex, Tom. He was saying like, Francis is like 32, right? Or 31. He was like, in five years, I like, I look up to the people like Chris Stefano, Mark Norman, Schultz, the people who are like in their 36 age and they're like huge. It seems like it, it, it seemed like to him, it was like kind of like a time game. But at the same time, he did say like, there's people like who are comedians who put 20 years of time and they're not where they want to be. And he's like, it's not always about time. It's about like exposure as well. But he was just saying how he looked up to guys like five years older than him to see like that would be his like five year plan in a way. I'm like breaking it down, but he pretty much said something like that, right, Tom? Where he was like, I look up to Stefano, the Schultzes, the people who are like 36 and I'm 32, and I see how like great they do with their career, and I want to be like that where they are. Yes, it's like a timeline thing because they were like they're like a couple years older than him, so they started a couple years before him inevitably. The thing yeah, is- I'm sure everybody has a, 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 a idea of where they would like to be at a certain age, but yeah, there's no telling. Like, I mean, the only there's people that are doing absolutely nothing to push themselves forward and they get through. And then there's people doing absolutely everything they can and they don't get through. You know what yeah, I mean? I guess so, luck's involved, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's luck knowing how to talk to people, making sure people like you in the beginning. So you rolled a blunt? No, no, no. I know you're doing some of it. thing with um, the whole comic story thing, I feel like with comics, they're much more open to be like, hey, I'm not a full-time comic. I want to be, but that's not what I'm doing. Comics are very much, well, I think, I, you know, I, I used to be big into magic and magicians were the opposite. Magicians would pretend they were full-time and making a full-time living off of it. And, and then they're also not. Because I think, I think it depends. Thing. On I, the, think, I saw comics. a Russ clip on the Kia Basin story, one of Tom's buddies, and I saw the clip before on a radio interview. And he's like, overall, like, say you're Madden rating 60 right now, you got to act like you're a 90. But then there's people who are complete opposite. And like, no, I'm living at home. I don't make money doing comedy. I work in this and that. It's very interesting how people uh, play with that. I think it's all just based on honesty. Like, if you're going to do that for staying for comedy or for whatever you do, you'd probably say that in a different, in a different situation as well. You'd probably be like, 
oh no, I'm 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 I fuck that girl every night, but you talk to her like twice, you know? Mm-hmm. Well it's the people who who do a bringer show and then post about it like it's a real yeah. show. They yeah, like or like that, thing. exactly. Well that that that's what I mean though. There's a lot of altered senses of reality where yeah. like so everybody it, thinks uh like you stand up in the journey and process through it like all like they view it all differently. Some people think it's like a three-year plan. Some, you know what I mean, or a four-year plan like college. Some people. I'd rather be honest. Forever. I'd rather be honest about where I am. So, like, there's people who they'll do a bringer show at Gotham and then post about this whole show they did at Gotham, but it was a bringer show. And then mm-hmm. now, like, I, I'm not gonna like do that because if I if I post about how I did the show and it's it was a bringer show in the back. So then, when I actually eventually reach the point where I can perform at Gotham and I'm past that, eventually, hopefully. Then it's not going to mean anything because I was telling people I was performing there before I was really there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it so. depends on the medium and the situation. I think Mike's trying to say how, like, if you do go that route, it might not. For some things, it actually could help you if you like hype yourself up a little bit. So fake it to you. Well, it's the other thing. Like, it's not okay. even though fake it to you make it though, because it's like you are doing the shit. It's like because when people do that, they like overdo it. Like I know entrepreneurs who like overdo that shit. But if it's like having the confidence and believing who you are, and it's like just being in the right place at the right time but having that confidence in a way like the dj cow levels of annoying as, uh, yeah I, you know, I think it's it's there's a catch 22 of both and it's yeah if you hype yourself up yeah sure like that could be exposure and potential asses in the seats but let's say you're really not uh as good or as developed as you're portraying right. that could bite you in the ass yeah. And then also your peers that are doing the same shit, which you might not respect you either. And like, I mean, you can't really get anywhere in comedy if there is a toxic work environment, you know, like where yeah. if, if your name comes up and people start rolling their eyes, it's like, yeah, more than likely you're not getting booked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, but if you flip it and you're just keeping it a buck and telling people where you at and people actually like you and shit like that, then, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to move up or move along. But I, bl- I actually blame, I know it's a weird take, but I, it's like an interesting topic, like devil's advocate type style. I actually blame the average fan of comedy or average social media user because they'll take a barstool podcast over your podcast because you don't have the right following for them. So they don't want to relate to someone normal. They want to relate to someone of a celebrity status. So it's like, I see people fucking like acting or promoting hard. It's like, if you don't promote for yourself, who will? And it's like this guy, I got best friends telling me they're not going to listen to my podcast because I don't have a certain following or I'm not big enough. Have said that to you? You've had friends that have said. Uh, yeah. So I, had, I actually have friends who don't listen. Like I, as I talk about a lot. Uh, Danny doesn't listen to the podcast, why. obviously. What? They tell you that's why? No. Well, like I have a day one who's honest and he's like a barstool fanatic. He likes sports. He likes. Shout like, out Dick Cow. He, he, likes, he, likes, he likes barstool podcasts and he's not a big podcast listener anyway. So he's like, I wouldn't like, I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't take the time to listen to a full episode because you don't have like, no one knows who you are and like, no one cares about what you're talking about. And it's actually great feedback in a way. Cause it shows you have to have some type of following for people for a certain amount of people, average consumer to take you seriously on a social media platform. So I, that's why I kind of, I kind of understand would, why people fake it till they make it. I would, I, yes, but also you don't want to appease the people that are only there because of a sheer numbers thing. No, yeah, definitely. It's, it's more than that, but. No, 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 but like, I, I get what he, where he's coming from, but that's also the same type of rhetoric why Supreme uh, makes a t-shirt $350. Because yeah. there's going to be some people like that that go like, oh man, well, everybody's doing this. Everybody wants this thing. And since 
this thing is valued at this much with this type of tangible number. I'm going to put my likes and interests based in that. Which All is, right. Comparison. Which I'm going to give Danny crazy, a good example. From, like a, talk, from a psychology standpoint, if I go to a Schultz show or Charlemagne Brilliant Idiots podcast, like at a comedy club, that yeah. fan there knows like culture. They're more in tune, more urban. They all want to go see someone with a following, with a name, the average consumer. If I go to your good, your good show, I'm not knocking it, at Verve and it's older people, they mm-hmm. don't understand the culture or whatever. And they'll take a comedian oh, who yeah. might not be famous on social media or, yeah. or huge, but they'll, mm-hmm. get, they'll have a great night. Each, each person that's going there will have a great time. And I feel like yeah. it's the difference. It's our younger generation, I think. I think older people don't care as much. Well, older yeah. people, because older people know exactly who they are and what they like. And they're yeah. not on social media. We're, we're in that, exactly. They're we're on Facebook, age, like Vic DiPadetto. <laughs> we're in an age right now where it's everything that you need to go through life is always sending you stuff that is catered towards what they think you'll like. And then you think that you'll like it too. Like, it's, it's weird. Nobody's thinking for themselves. It's weird. You, you I, get what I'm saying? I talked right. to a younger Latina girl. And she was, like, telling me all the social media game. And, like, you think we're about Kia Basement promoting – there's like a whole nother level of like girls will like find people with clout or like certain following and try to be with them or like try to wipe them up and see if they see potential. Yeah, that's it. But it's a that's whole been, weird game. That's been the, but that's nothing been new, the but beginning of time, like every, every, every successful person has groupies. If that makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? So in Queens, basically going on, there was good before Instagram, there was girls still hanging around doing the same exact thing that girls were doing. What were you saying, Raph? Based on what you were saying. And I, I agree. But I also think that, like, with for if we're talking about my, my show, I'm trying to now get people. I wanna. I'm trying to get the. I love the people that come out, and I appreciate anyone who comes ever. But I do want there to be more young people, so I'm trying to book people that draw the younger people, and then the younger, like, you, like Giannis and and Gary Veter, and like those people. I thought based on who they were would draw a younger crowd, but it's still the same I, people who have been. I think that's not necessarily it's, on the, it's, about the because it's because of the venue with the location. It's, yeah. it's the no, location it's, and venue. It's the no, way. It's, it's the, the way. It's, it's an advertisement appeal to a comedian. Mark Norman, like Francis Seville, do like a lot of shows, and he was like the greatest one. I'd say for the younger crowd. I'd say for, based on what I know, I'm not a com- comedy expert, and I think that the location is different, and it's a different type of town than New York City or even New Brunswick in a way. And it's oh, like shit. to get that comedian there, you still might not be able to get the following of that comedian there if that makes any sense no 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 that makes sense but uh what i will say is also definitely be if you're looking for a younger crowd you got to go way younger than like Giannis. like 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 not calling Giannis old or no disrespect but like Giannis is kind of to to me it's kind of part of like the older gods like where it's like 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 we're kind of like the stefano's at the the super young dudes that are now growing Giannis's fans are younger people because of the podcast that's a whole nother thing too. It's like they got. Yeah, they Giannis have, is only getting his career back because of his podcast. He used to be huge with the Marisa shit when it went viral and shit, but then he died are, off. At, but this podcast, his podcast is big. People don't realize it, and they just moved to Bill Burr's network, so it's just going to get bigger. That's no, the no, thing no, about no. podcasting, and like I know, like it's interesting because people do stand up, and I understand it takes like ten years to be great, even longer, and you got to focus on one thing at a time. Like Tom Green was talking about it. But at the same time, Francis was like, I think you need to be multifaceted and do multiple things now than ever. And like the podcast is a good example because it's drawing. He's being able to create content now in a quarantine, Giannis and uh, DeStefano. And it's also drawing new fans to go see them perform. And they'll have a lot of listeners and not every listener on the podcast will go see your comedy, which is dope. So it's like you're getting everything. You're getting everything out of it. Like you'll get more fans on a podcast maybe or more fans at a stand-up show. And it's just mm-hmm. interesting. 
True. Yeah. And I yeah, I guess. Danny, go ahead. I, I think the one thing that does fuck us up, though, any creators or anyone in comedy or entertainment, is MTV in the 90s played a huge part. Like, MTV in the 90s, 2000s was literally social media. Like, it was well, com- cool- yeah, Comedy Central in the early 2000s. Too, like, it was really the cool thing to do, everything. And now... There's still a there's still a generation that will list like TV, even though TV is not the end thing. You got to go find your Rogans and you're find your podcast. But there's no TV plug anymore that's really essential like MTV was. The last thing I see that really helped amplify careers was Guy Code. Look at that lineup and look at all the people doing big things. That's why yeah, it's, it's transition. That's why I haven't it's seen anything since then. Yeah, it's not TV. It's yeah. That's why you want to get on podcasts now, not on TV shows. Aquafina, it's, it's essentially the same thing. It's just a podcast. It's a podcast in 2020. Everyone on that show is killing it. A podcast in 2020 is a TV show in 1999. It just it just translated to a different thing. But the the, the, the pendulum is going to swing back the other way again, and then there's going to be a hot TV show that everybody wants to be a part of again. Oh God! Yeah. So do do you think so? Now there's more like there's I feel like there's less club acts that are um, headlining that have fan bases. Like if you have a fan base now, you're kind of doing theaters. Like, yeah, you're right. And so now because of, of the West coast guys in the podcast, I think it's all, easier, everyone not easier, but you can gain a big theaters. fan base. Yeah. So now mm-hmm. the, so now the clubs are either paying absurd amounts of money to get a theater out in their club. Right. Or I feel like clubs are now having lesser, like they'll still get people like Mark Normand or someone like that is someone who's going to be a theater act in a year, but like they still have him, but then they're also getting a lot less people that are household names than they used to. Five years ago at stress factory, every single weekend was a, a, a person. Now that's a theater act. Also mm. way in the past five, six years, way more comedians. So you can't, you can have more theater acts now when 10, 15 years ago, there's only a handful because there's way less comics. Now it's like, you know, my, my cousin's fucking ex-girlfriend does stand-up. My dad's best friend does stand-up, you know? It's also, like a, also it might like shift again because of the quarantine. I think you might see big names still do clubs. You might do some, you might do some, you might see some big names do clubs again still. It's, it's going to weed me out. I'm officially quitting guy. stand-up. I, I wanted to break on the Key Basement podcast, but I'm officially quitting stand-up comedy and I will never do it again because it's going to weed a lot of these fucks out. And let's just be honest, I can't be doing this. Well, Serious. I think you were hoping we would be like, no, don't go. No, I wasn't. I'm, I'm, no, I wasn't. I'm actually thinking about it. <laughs> Being genuine. Um, how many how many people over under do you think will quit by the time this lets back in? I don't well, think they're quitting. The status was. I was I was watching. Um, nah, I was talking to Gordon on the phone last night. We had the same convo. He was like, you know how many people are about to quit, bro? Really? They're gonna quit, make YouTube pages blow up, then do stand up again. You're gonna be like, look at these fucking snakes. I think I was Yo. just talking to Norman or, or somebody. Maybe it was History Hyenas, but they're saying it depends where they're at in their career. Because think about it, yo. If you say say you just started stand up in like December, January, or even last year, and you know you just fucking started, and then this happens, it's like unless you were obsessed with it in those first six months or year, is it like you know? Or if you were already on the road doing clubs, doing well, then okay, you're gonna come back. Or if maybe you were just getting out on the road, just barely, or you were just, you just got past it one or two clubs, just barely, but you were making more money at your day job. You know what I mean? Like you never, you don't know. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Yeah. But how about what, uh, didn't, uh, Danny, he worked with the community before and booked him, the Berg guy, what Berg said to Francis? Aaron Berg. Yeah, that was crazy. That that, that would never happen, but no, Danny, I think I told you. 
I think I told you what Berg did. Did you listen to the Francis episode? Well, he talked about Francis had a phone call with Berg about how just hypothetically, obviously it's not like that, but if, if, if you guys couldn't, if we couldn't tour anymore, if comics couldn't go on the road anymore and how he, and Berg basically said he would be content because he's had a great career over the past 10 years. And if he couldn't do the road, yeah, Berg said this to Francis and then Francis said it to us. It was kind of like chilling, but like it, it wouldn't, that wouldn't happen. It wouldn't be like that. But essentially he said, if I was forced off the road to, I can't do clubs anymore just because of the virus, et cetera. I, and I had to move out of the city. I would be content because he's got like a family. He's done shit at a special blah, blah, blah. I just but, thought it was a really good, I just thought it was a really good, you know, point. I don't think that would ever happen. I don't think it would happen, but like, you know what I mean? It was a good, it was, it was interesting. What? Well, I don't know. That's scary. Yeah, he's been, dude, he's been moving, dude. Yeah, I mean that thought is scary, but I mean, I I don't think we're I don't think it's a thing yet where, especially after a vaccine comes, you know, they're gonna start opening clubs back up. What probably. I'm, what I'm worried about a little bit, and I, I don't know exactly, but after this, after things start open and we're allowed to do things again. I'm, you're still not going to be able to like pack people into a, a show. And people are going to be afraid. Right. Well, not, yeah. I, you're just legally not going to be like, uh, you're, you're just, at Verve, Verve, we sit 48 people in that room. Uh, let me do two shows with 48 people. If we, if I were to only be able to pack it to half capacity, if I were only to be able to fit 24 people, I could not afford to get the names that I'm getting. So the whole show, like, even if I'm allowed to do the show, the quality of the show is going to go down because I won't be able to be getting the names that I'm getting. Yeah, to uh, get like me to headline or something. You yeah, love, exactly. you love that. You love that show. You love doing that because you just get to go on stage. Is that really look like why you doing it? I, I like uh, being able to do two shows in a night. I, I love the venue. I like, I like being able to work with comics that are my favorite. Like being That's able crazy. to people that I'm a big fan. Shout out to of. Comedy at Verve. Do you take hits sometimes, or is it all like because it's expensive? The you I haven't money? lost money yet. I, I mean, I'm doing okay. I mean, good. and I don't think unless unless I have to pack if I pack the room to half capacity, I imagine that's what they were saying anyway. Why comedy clubs might not open up because if you have take twenty five percent of only people, they're like losing money. Well, yeah, well, comedy's meant to be packed out. They were saying. Yeah, it, like might, if, go like, back, it might go back to basement shows again, dude. Shit that you can't really regulate. Well, what, what, the idea what comes could like, happen is could I get a headliner for like because everyone's going to be struggling across the board? Like, let's I don't want to say exact numbers what I pay different people, but let's say I'm paying someone a thousand. Juicy. Would that same person that I would pay a thousand to do two shows would they now do it for seven hundred because Corona um, discount? Yeah, the, yeah. Thirty percent off. Depends on the comics, but also what the other thing is going to be because the bigger the whether it be not even whether it be concerts, uh, TED talks, whatever, the bigger the crowd, the longer it's going to take for that to be able to come back. Movie theaters, etc. So what they're thinking is a lot of the theater acts who basically just do theaters are going to have to revert to clubs because clubs are going to open first or live streaming. They were saying, and then that'll fuck a lot of club comics who are not, you know, there yet, who are just getting into clubs. That'll fuck them at least for the next however long. Alex, and then they come to the new verb. That's what's going to happen. Yes. Alex, you know and they how come the verb. You know how Timberland and Swiss Beat started Versus? Yeah. They're getting offers for TV shows and shit and Tory Lane with Quarantine Radio. They're saying that could be the future of entertainment. I don't know if that applies to comedy, but they're already talking about live streaming like concerts now for the next two years. Like that's the new thing. Yeah, that's year. so weird, dude. Like, like I don't... I, I mean, 
to a to a degree that like you could you could do a you could finesse a a, a internet show if like a beat battle school with Swiss and not that, yeah yeah but like you'd have to have like a, a a studio audience that's like light anyway which like that's what I'm saying I was like maybe a lot of small studios will start opening up. Like, you know how people are doing tiny desk concerts and there's yeah. people that are there in attendance and they might start doing stuff like that. Like, and that's going to be weird. Yeah, that that might be a little strange. You know how MTV used to have those like virtual DJ shows? Who was it? Was it Amanda Seals? One of them who's a comedian now used to be like a virtual DJ. Is that her name? A I think I so. She's a comedian. I don't know about her being a DJ. She used to be a VJ on uh, fucking MTV, like a virtual DJ show, and they say that might come back, all that shit. You called her a VJ? I think all that shit. I mean, I think that shit is already, yeah, it already came back for how. No, but on TV networks now. Because think about it, TV networks have nothing live to play. Look at SportsCenter. They're playing Jordan Docs. They're playing like fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> what if they just started calling female DJs VJs? <laughs> <laughs> it was like virtual DJs. <laughs> you could do that for however long this. If you could get a t- if you could get a fucking uh, internet TV show going on a network in the next year, however long we're fucked with this virus, I'm sure does, you could do that. This, but I think this, once everything comes back, it would just disappear, It'd get canceled. So Brett Ernst said comedy is about putting asses in seats. Obviously, you have to have the talent and, and stand up comedy skills. But hypothetically speaking, does this annoy you that a guy like Tory Lanez, who's like a talented guy who has Grammys, all that? I don't know if he has Grammys, but he has a lot of plaques, gold <laughs> records, platinum records. I never he, heard of him. He just started doing quarantine radio, getting like strippers on to do like twerking yeah. stuff, like nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing new, but nothing new. But the idea of being on Instagram kind of new and it like blew people out of the water. He's on magazine covers now and now he's getting offers to do shows and stuff. Would you be bitter if he made like a guy like that, made it like that and then just started doing stand-up comedy because of his following? You ask no. this every episode and we always say no because he would go do stand-up comedy and suck. But he would still get asses in the seat. <laughs> no, okay, no, that's no. great. Then get asses in the seat. Put it this way, he's not doing he's not doing stand-up comedy. But yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that, but I'm saying hypothetically. What he is doing, what he what he is doing, you could bring on the road, no problem. You could turn that you could turn that mobile without a doubt. That's you what like just, the horrible decisions girls do. Yeah, you would just podcast. turn it. You, you would turn literally into, take anything on the road. It's, you literally could just be a live you could just be a podcaster and instead of going to a club and doing an hour of stand-up, you just do a live podcast and you make the same money. That's it. Yeah, well, and and podcasts. Let's be honest, don't take boys. skill at all, really. Well, that's why. That's why we really need to put a poll out, guys. And this is the perfect <laughs> to do it. Put a poll out. See there how many po- would actually come out to a Keep It Basement Live podcast. We'll take two years. Ain't going anywhere for a little bit. Oh well, yeah, of course, of course. Lane's, yeah. That's the same thing. What were you saying, Danny Rav, about podcasting? The the the, the, the podcasts that do live live podcasts there, there's a bunch of them but i also think it's kind of like unless if you're taking a weekday it's like a cool but it scares me because it is podcasts are selling out sometimes faster like when kill tony goes on the road they'll do a kill tony on a thursday night sometimes two and then just tony will headline friday saturday sunday right i'd rather watch kill, kill tony me too the kill tony show will sell out a month in advance and then tony's whole weekend won't sell out at all so <laughs> Ticket summary. He's using the platform to do stand up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's why I, mean, I don't understand. That's why I would say if anyone did comedy, why not use that approach? You're not a great comedian. Let's face facts. I don't know him that well. Doesn't seem like he is. And so take your platform that gets you exposure and do comedy that way and get better at your craft and make well, money. Yeah, that's completely fine. But a good comic, you'd rather see them do stand up than their podcast. Yeah, but it's going in a direction where I feel like podcasts are selling out clubs faster than stand up. 
and I imagine why doesn't someone just open up a, a podcast club? Why is that think, that could ever be a thing eventually? Thing. What do you mean? There's a billion pod? Oh, a podcast club. Oh, I mean, it's like the same a, thing. A there would be no point for that. It's the same it's, thing. Like yeah. it's a good diverse comedy club. Uh, like if comedy. I did a show, I'd it'd be cool. If you were a podcaster and you had a sold out show, I think it's so cool if you had like a local comedian go up there and do like an act before you go on. That's you know what, what I mean? we would do if we did one. We would do fucking like Mike would host. We'd have a stand. We'd have a couple of stand ups. Do some time. Then we do the podcast. I think it's more versatile to be honest, Danny. I think people who I think it helps comedy, even though people might say it doesn't, because you're getting people who don't know anything about comedy to come in and ver- maybe like you as a comedian, and you're bringing new new opportunity and new business to that club. So I think it's like an ecosystem of great things. I think that the, the, having a podcast at a comedy club, it were and it, like I like your mom's house is my favorite podcast. They were touring clubs and selling out. They don't do it anymore. They don't tour it. But also Tom's gigantic. Well, Tom's gigantic because of his Netflix specials mostly. But then the podcast fan base. The podcast, right? Yeah, but so I, I, it's what I, I'm picturing. Let's say your mom's house is a live podcast at a, a club, which they used to do. Yeah. And most of the audience are fans of your mom's house, but right. if someone were to come in. To, and buy a ticket to this comic. There are people that buy tickets to comic clubs not knowing what they're going to see. Let's just go see a comedy show. And then they happen to see your mom's house podcast and that's what they bought a ticket to. That's not what they're expecting. Like, I, I imagine if my parents bought a ticket to the Stress Factory and then saw your mom's house live just because they were thought they were going to a comedy club to see a comedy show and then they see your mom's house. Just them record you're, the, the thing I you're talking to... about, I, I feel like it's so rare now where random people go and see a show. I mean, it does happen, but it I feel definitely. like they, ha- you have, you have, they have to know who you are to be a part of it. Nah, that still be... happens, especially like especially Thursdays Bro. and holidays or like special discount tickets, anything like that. But, the, but the there's people only like... a handful of fucking comics, sellout comics, who that holds every single weekend they fly into a city and do a show and it's sold out because it's their crowd. There's not as many comics that can do that as you think. Well, like any with the comedian or any or save your mom's house or whatever it's called, Segura's podcast was there. He has nothing to lose if those people leave and get mad because they didn't know him to begin with anyway. And it's like he was taking a shot on that whether they like him or not, and getting a new fan or not getting a new fan. And if they don't like him, fuck it. Yeah, he already has a huge following and fan base. You can get to also get the fan base through doing the podcast on the internet, internet rather than going to their city and doing it. Once but the once thing the- is. What's the what I'm saying? Podcast is already doing that. You're taking that creative risk without once, without. Once the Legion of Skanks moved to the stand, they started getting a lot more people coming to the show, not knowing what it was, and then they get a lot of people fucking walking. Every episode, they walk people because they're people who aren't fans and don't know what they're going to do, and they're just like, "We're going to the stand to see a comedy show." Every episode, they walk people, and I guess because they're selling out anyway, it's fine, but. It's, it's, it's just weird having a comedy show. Well, and then this reverts back to Mike, your, Mike, your point about our friends not fucking with us. because I was just going to tell you what my, what I have the quote of what he said. I'll tell you after you say this. Who, Dick Cow? Yeah, I have it. I found the notes. I was looking for it. So if you are going point, to, actually. Let me, let me see what my point was. Uh, if you're going to, you know, like I'll listen, I listened to Bobby Lee recently and he's saying how since so many of his fanship is young just because of the internet is – you know, he's been in a he's been in Harold and Kumar, a bunch of great movies, Mad TV for a decade, whatever. And he met a guy at a club, came up to him because he does meet and greets, and the and the guy came up to him and he's like, I love you, blah blah. He's like, Oh great, thanks. What do you know me from? Mad TV, blah blah. He's like, just a podcast. And the reason for that is because podcasts are circulating so much quicker via the internet. So they get to your city quicker because you just fucking see it on YouTube rather than waiting for that comic to fly into New Brunswick, be booked at the stress factory, do it, you go and see it. 
and then be like, okay, now I like this guy. I saw him be funny on the, on his podcast for five minutes. I'm gonna go see him the next time he's here. And to so Tom's if you point, you revert that to my, one of my best friends who doesn't listen to the, our pod to, to this podcast, but fucks with me, is because you might have a, f- a followership. You know, uh, it's, you have you guys have Instagram followership of a thousand people, so you know a thousand people fuck with you. But Barstools out there has six million. But there's still that handful of people who don't know what Barstool is. My mom doesn't know what Barstool is. So she's going to go see a Brett Ernst or a guy who doesn't sell out as much compared to watching a Barstool thing because she just doesn't know who it is because she found out because she saw a fucking flyer down the street because she's old school for Brett Ernst rather than it coming up on her YouTube because my mom doesn't go on YouTube. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's like it's all an avenue based on age and timing and I was how also, things are circulating. I was also going to say to his point, podcast is less risk because you're taking the risk just getting the equipment doing it, but you're not flying to a city, you're not losing money, and you're not getting a club owner mad at you for not selling out or having a fan base there. Like you got what I'm saying? It's like you're building it on your own with the podcast. Mm. And then also, my buddy did say, this is what he was saying. He said, you have to have a name to do a podcast. So if you don't have the name or relatability to people, why would they listen to you? And it is a good argument to say. Like, it is a good point. Which is funny because a lot of these names out there, like the amount of podcasts that are out there who were started by like former Vine stars or people with millions and millions of followers, fucking 95% of people in comedy, not in comedy, have never heard these guys. I don't know who the fucking Basement Yard guys are. Their podcast is huge. You know, it's like, but I, I know who Bill Burr is. His podcast is huge, but like it's in different, in different formats. You know what I mean? The basement yard guys never did stand up. And, and my buddy was like a lot of, a uh, lot of friends, like a lot of my friends only listen to podcasts and only watch like a clip of comedy to see if it's funny or not. And a lot of the big comedians that you guys name, they don't even think they're funny. So it's like interesting. And they, but the, the big comedians have that podcast and then they get to do whatever the fuck they want. And podcasts are so still small. So many people still don't listen to them at all. The thing- a lot of people do. The other thing is it could work the other way around. You could have someone who's headlining a club as just whatever is active. Like, do you know who Justin Willman is? He's I know Emma Willman. I don't uh, Justin Willman he's, I has the show on Netflix. He's a mag- comedy magician. He has a show on Netflix called Magic. And I definitely Queens. know. It's pretty popular and it's a very good show on Netflix. Besides uh, the point. And he's been, but he's been touring comedy clubs, headlining as a magician for fucking however long. Uh, but before he, uh, before Magic for Humans. Uh, he was the host of Cupcake Wars on Food Network. And it had nothing to do with his comedy or his magic. It was just he was a host of a cupcake-related game show. And then he would be headlining these clubs, and people would come to see him do his comedy magic act, not even knowing that he's a comedy magician. They'd be like, oh, that's the guy from Cupcake Wars. And then they would see him just doing dick jokes and comedy magic and be like, oh, because the, the fans of Cupcake Wars don't overlap with the fans of dick joke magic. Right. So it's like... It, it could work the other way around too, where if, if you have the other thing that just doesn't overlap at all with your standup, he had people, he had Cupcake Wars fans disappointed by his act, not because the act wasn't good, just because it wasn't cupcake related. Yeah, I think that's the case for anybody. Any I feel like though he wasn't. I, I feel like he was on that show and he wasn't wasn't being authentic because he couldn't do that shit. And then he was doing his comedy, which was uh like more like racy and like a lot of dick jokes and stuff, and it was like really more him. So, like, you got to be authentic the whole time. Like, look at Steve-O. That fucker sells out because of jackass, right? He goes on stage. He's the same guy telling those stories, probably. He also does, he also does stunts on stage. He's the, the same fucking guy. See what I you mean? Got, well, you you got you, you to ride with whatever works. So, him getting famous doing dumb stunts off jackass got him big. Also, so he, he likes go, it. When I go sell out, I'm going to keep doing stunts because I know people are going to come out. Yeah, well, that gonna... fucker's psycho and likes it. And, and it's like... He wasn't yeah, doing a great. cupcake. Sh- he wasn't doing a cupcake show and then talking about dicks after. You know what I mean? 
That doesn't so matter. Steve-O is look like people shit on him because he's not because they don't think he's a good comic or whatever. But Steve-O is like to me one of the fucking like like jackass guys. That's like the craziest shit you can do. Like I I, I don't, I, don't I, I give it up for those guys. I yeah, saw, even though they copy Tom Green. I saw him when he was at the yeah, show. But Tom Green wasn't was very as, doing as legit stunts as them. It was a fun. It was a fun show. It wasn't stand up, but it was. It was what I would have expected to get if I went to see Steve or live, and I'm sure every, I think everyone left happy. And it, it was. I also grew up on Jackie, so if you grew up on yeah. it, you're gonna you're gonna ride it. It was legendary because of they're executing everything we would have done with our friends if we figured it out. And you had know? a bigger bump. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like without a doubt, you know what I mean? Like, like if if somebody told me, bro, we just rigged this damn rocket to shoot out like a hundred feet into the air over this lake. I'd be like, I'll get on. I'll... <laughs> like I would do it. Like, like, dude, like those dudes look like Looney Tunes. It's like real life Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. The third movie's so good. Like the seesaw inside of the, uh, of the bull, of the bull pit or whatever. Yeah. Like beehives, who... the fucking alligators, like everything. Oh, dude! Not even something as simple as like making Stevo jump on a rake, <laughs> <laughs> or pushing like, Bam into a snake pit. No, they're making a new one. They're making a new yeah. jacket. Yeah, it got confirmed, and I'm fucking excited for it. I was there. Yeah, confirmed. If that was on MTV, I feel like none of us would watch it. This is like, like, I'm saying, if it wasn't on MTV, no one would ever find the shit. Like there was people who would watch CKY videos. If no, you can't shit, kill yourself. Dude, they were. People, the back, the background of Jackass is they were doing that for Big Brother behind the scenes before they ever got a deal. And Tremaine came along and was like, "You guys are nuts. This is a fucking TV show." They pitched it to HBO, Showtime, MTV, Comedy Central. They pitched it to a bunch of networks, and yeah, MTV no. said, "Fuck it, let's do it." And it was the biggest thing in the fucking world. That's how TV works. So you have to have a brain to be like, "Hmm, this should try for TV. Let's fucking do it." That's right. Like it works both ways. Norman's pitched his TV show idea eight hundred times, and it never, and they all said no. I know what I mean. That like, when, that's how it works. When the Impractical Jokers were first, and then we saw it because it was on MTV. What did you say about Impractical Jokers? When the Impractical Jokers were too. first pitching the TV show, they pitched yeah. it to MTV, Comedy Central, and and then True TV. And MTV was uh, Comedy Central just said, "I may fuck up who said what." MTV said it wasn't funny. They're just it's not funny. We don't want. Uh, Comedy Central was like, "We think it's funny, but we don't like you. We want to hire four different actors to play the main guys." Awesome. And they were like, "Which." Which wouldn't have worked. The whole the reason that show is so successful is because of their dynamic and how the fact that you can tell that they're actually best friends makes it funny. And then True TV was the they took a risk. Like they could have signed the show with Comedy Central, but had other people star in it. And I think at the time that would have been a Comedy Central had more following than True TV. No one knew what True TV was. Yeah, they made True TV. Still don't. You think about it. Except but True TV allowed them to do it the way they wanted to do it, and they did it, and now it's one of the biggest shows. Like, it, yeah, True TV exists because of it. And they still had to pitch it like eight times, I think, Sal said. Yeah. And the, uh, what's interesting, too, and this is interesting, because the last time I interviewed Schultz, he said, and I actually believe this now, uh, the original person doing something, right, doesn't get the exposure or popularity they deserve. Instead, it's like the third or fourth person. His, his analogy was like Tony Hawk. Like there was somebody before Tony Hawk, and he didn't blow up the way it was supposed to happen, but Tony Hawk blew up. And it's like the third or fourth person doing the same thing the original did. It's, it's interesting how that happens in entertainment. And I think there is a truth to that, where it's like, say, if you were the originator or something, and you don't get the proper respect or the exposure that, that it happens, but someone takes your idea and does it a different way or the right way, and they blow up over that, I feel like that's really common. I, I think it does come down to authenticity, too, though, because with the Jokers thing, they also had a version in England. They made it, uh, 
a, a UK version of the Impractical Jokers, and they just had four different people do it. And it just didn't work. You can watch the clips online. It's, the it's office, how about the office that worked in the United States? Just, but because, because they weren't authentic. It's, it's all about authentic. People want to see people being real and the, like the Tom real. Green, the jackass, the Sasha Baron Cohen's, like all stems from the same tree, if you think about it. That's interesting because Sasha Baron Cohen's the only one that's not authentic. And Bam Margera. You don't think he's authentic? You don't. I mean, I love Sasha Baron Cohen. I enjoy. Oh, no. But he's, I don't think I would consider him authentic. That's because, not really why? Because he plays characters? Yeah. You can play characters and still be authentic, though. Like, they're not. That's the and? thing. It's weird. It's like people, like, you could do an interview and you'd be yourself on a podcast. But when you, do, when you go on stage, you could be, a, like, a, playing a character of okay, yourself. But what made him famous isn't his interviews. What made him famous and successful is his characters. Yeah, but it's still talent in a way. Like, you know what I mean? He's like an introverted I mean, guy. Talent, like, if, if he was just normal himself, he would never make it if it was the character that's, that made him. That's actually a very funny question. Are impressionists considered can – an, can an impressionist be considered authentic? I think so because it's like pioneers of what they do and stuff. I mean – he, but, I think he wasn't but, an impressionist, but he was like an original up, character creator. Like he but made when you look character. up the word authentic, it goes against whatever an impressionist would have been, no? Yeah. And but it's also he's an interesting, too. He's a character creator. It's also like interesting. I got in a rabbit hole of Tom Green interviews, and it's also interesting, too, a jackass, because they technically, they might have not known or not have known that they copied his stuff. But what happens is when you sign MTV, producers tell you what you can and not do, and they give you ideas of what stunts to do. And for jackass in the early beginnings, they, like, had them on, like, a tight leash, and they would tell them stunts to do, and they would, like, give them used stunts on other shows that they had already. So it's kind of, like, weird, you know what I mean? They took, it like, to a legit, they took it to another level, though. Yeah, they did take it to another level, but it's like the idea was already there. You know what I mean? So it's like, is anything really original? It's, you can make an argument, but they definitely paved the way. For well, yeah, well, stunts have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know? And that's the thing. Like, you, that's what's fucked up because, like, say if we're, like, underground entertainers or whatever, and we come out and people say, yo, you're taking people's ideas, you could have been influenced by that show, one, or two, you could have been still doing that, but no one knew you on that level yet. You know what I mean? Like the Jackass guys were doing pranks forever before they made it. Also interesting that you're using the word stunt. I don't think I don't think of what they do as stunts. What fucking the, do. the, you don't? What do you mean? What is it? I don't know. Maybe stunts is the right word, but <laughs> uh, you can't I don't consider it stunts. Stunt. Maybe stunt is the right word. <laughs> what the fuck is it? You can't put him in the same category as the, the guy what? who fucking... If you pole jump in a ba- in a river of shit, what are you doing? Dude, if you Johnny Knoxville's fucking roller skating in a thing full of mud with bowls running at him, that's a fucking stunt. And then they had that warning: do not try any of these stunts at home. Blah blah. blah. They're like, fucking legends. These are my like, professionals. Steve-O lit himself on fire and shot himself out of a fucking cannon. Okay, that's a stunt. Right. The funniest thing ever was like, don't try this at home. These are done by professionals, and Steve-O's on like meth. <laughs> yeah, meth the whole time. What was the name of that famous stunt man that fucking like Evil Knievel? Yeah, Evil Knievel. Yeah, that was Steve-O's biggest influence. Yeah, well, they're so different. See, they just take stuff and you remix it. I really believe that. It's like, I, like obviously, oh, you're right, though. You like, I'll shit, I would shit on the stand-up if it sucks. I've never really seen him do stand-up. Who, Michael no? Evil stand-up? No, no, no. So good. Steve-o. Steve-o. No, but, I, but he's a, literally a legend to me. Like, that takes the biggest balls. I don't care if he was a drug See, it's all whatever. relatable, too. He's, another example of it. I was actually just listening to him on a podcast, and he said, I wouldn't be able to have done half that shit if I wasn't on drugs. Are you fucking nuts? That's why if you watch the third movie, because the third movie is the first time that he's completely sober, and he still does that crazy shit, it's like mind-blowing. And that's another thing about being relatable and biased, because you could think someone's hacky. A lot of people will hate on Steve-O, right? But they're not Jackass fans. But if you win someone over on TV or, or whatever you do before stand-up, then you're in, the, you're in with them. Yeah. Well, I just love Jackass. All just like Lil Dicky. He didn't like Lil Dicky the rapper's happy, but he loves the show. And now he's like, oh, fuck, Lil Dicky is a pretty good rapper, dude. 
No, I didn't not like him. I just didn't take the time to, I, I had this argument with you. It's infuriating. I didn't not like him. I just never took the time to go discover him and listen to him because he didn't do comedy. So I didn't give a fuck. It, it shows That's the importance I, of I didn't say he was a shitty rapper. I never said that. Never said that. Well, Don't now you know why hack face. comedians have jobs because it's relatable to people who like hacky jokes. Uh, a lot of it's connections and shit like True. that too. It doesn't fucking matter. Sometimes your jokes don't matter. Yeah, that's what's weird because like, like my buddy was saying that he doesn't listen to any podcast, but they have huge podcasts. And he's like, I don't think Delia is that funny or the other guys. And he's like, I'll watch like one of their things and stop watching. He's like, how are they famous? And it's like, because they have I that think I think Delia is hysterical on podcasts and on, as, a, as a guest on people's podcasts. So yeah. he's, he compliments. So he's so good at podcasting that he's able to do stand up from the compliments. I don't think it, I don't think you could I don't think he's good at it or like I'm, or not good at it. I just, just think he's confidence. funny. I just think he's funny in that medium. Like he does like he'll do like fake rivalries with like Callen and he'll shit on him and like tell people he'll tell his fans to not go to his shows and I just think that's hilarious. I don't think he's not good, you know, I don't think he's a good podcaster. I mean, that's kind of a low well, term. That's one of those things where oh, I feel like that's the idea of funny. Like in it's theory a, it's funny, but it's not yeah. A, he's also a very like intelligent dude so when you go on your own instagram and has a bunch of people and you tell people don't go see this guy they're gonna look up that guy yeah you know what i mean like, like and, yeah and it's the same thing people think joe rogan is is incredibly unfunny but he's a fucking he sells out arenas so it's like well, you know what i mean it's subjective did you see the thing that Voss did on the creeps with kids tour where no. in front of a packed uh be, and in front of a packed Wilbur Theater in Boston, like 3,000 people, he got every single person in the theater to pull out their phones and block Jim Norton and Sam Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. People on that show so do, you, do you think uh, people overcomplicate comedy? Like, at the end of the day, isn't it just about making people feel good and, like, expressing your ideas? He just laughs. The only thing that comedy is to me is, is did, you, did they laugh at you? Anything else doesn't matter. Do you think people overcomplicate it? I it think that just comes inevitably with like podcasting and shit. What do you mean? I think it's, it is. It is. It's a complicated thing, but it, it it doesn't have to be as much as people sometimes make it. Yeah. Yeah. Put it this way: if you uh, if you you don't have a following, you're you're three years in, and I see you feature at the Stress Factory, whatever. Like I'll see Alex. You see Alex host for whoever a feature, and he kills. Oh, he's fucking hilarious because he made me laugh. I never seen him or heard of him before, but he's good at comedy because he just made me laugh. That's it. That's as far as I look at. It, but it, it really just comes down to, in my mind, if you can simplify it, is are you funny or not funny? And then step two is are you doing something that's original? original yeah, that's how it should be looked at only, but just inevitably with making a career at it and getting asses and seats, you got to take it to a whole other level. But all that should matter is are you funny? But you, that just can't happen nowadays. Like, I think are you funny and original? So, are you, so is comedy in the green room. Are comedians entrepreneurs too now? Because it's like complicated business in a way. I don't think I hate that word entrepreneur. Just but it's true. It's oh, someone no, just like no, providing no. their business for themselves and promoting oh. their skills, etc. Oh, I wouldn't say it like that. I would say, are you a good comedian? What that tax form says, you're an independent contractor. <laughs> yeah, independent contractor. Technically, yeah. a form of entrepreneurship. I, you know, I mean, unless you, if entrepreneur, I'd say if you're, if say you're a comedian, but you also. If you're a comedian, you tour the road and you Young Jeezy calls out. himself an entrepreneur. You make something out of nothing, dude. People, yeah. A lot of people are entrepreneurs. You make, you're, okay, if you're if you technically income. look at the dictionary and you're selling shirts and comedy, you're selling movies, podcasts. It's like technically, fuck, you are an entrepreneur if you think about it. And it's like I, I know like people say business. 
Sure. If you want to give it that label, sorry, but you're a comedian first. I know, but I'm saying people say business isn't important, but it's like, fuck, at the end of the day, it, it, it comes to sure. the point that sometimes it is. If you want to make money, if you don't no, if you no, just no, want no. to make people laugh, you don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yo, if you're a comic that is killing the merch game, then you could say I'm an entrepreneur too. Other than that, yo, you say dick jokes like the rest of us, bro. Because someone was like, yo, are you like, a rapper? And Jeezy's like, say he's an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur, Jeezy. Fuck Jeezy, he's my bitch. Not <laughs> I, used to, I used to drive him around too. He's my bitch. But Rogan kind of is good at simplifying shit because he was like, comedy is just about making people feel good, getting paid for your ideas, and just like expressing yourself. And it's like, true. True. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yo, if some that's like, basically yeah. what we're all shooting for. That's what I'm yeah. shooting for. I'm not even trying to be rich, bro. I'm just trying to be able to rich, be like, rich. hey, man, four nights out the week, I get to say whatever the hell I want and get paid for it. And, and you know how, like, people, and you know, people are saying, like, it's a time where people are depressed in comedy. Rogan was saying they should feel grateful because next time they get on the stage, it's a good feeling to be back and everyone will be happy and shit. And he's like, the, that excited feeling's going to be there, that grateful feeling. And he said that sometimes when you're like a touring comedian and you're just traveling nonstop, not working on any new material, it's actually you're in like a fog and it's actually shitty. It's like there's no like evolvement. There's no real like pure stand up moment because you're just so used to your act and you're, it's like not authentic anymore. He's like the best comedy is like being authentic self, talking about your real life shit and like bringing it out on the stage and like getting new stuff, getting new material. And he's like sometimes like when you're traveling all the time, you don't like do any of that because you're just like in that zone. No new city, hotel dinner stage and it's like night in and night out and he's like sometimes like breaks like this can be a good beneficial thing to work on the writing skills but it's the same time he said catch 22 because like you say catch 22 because you're not able to experience life like the usual way because of this quarantine yeah i mean there's, there's no life being experienced new life being experienced right now but and the only thing that you could write about is what every other freaking person is going to write about. I disagree. About. Everyone, everyone says that they're wrong. You're wrong. Wait, what did you, you say, can't... No, no, no. I'm, I'm dead ass. Someone's you're, zoning you're... out, Zapia. If you, come out, mother, if, if you come out with a corona joke, dude, for it to not be considered hacky, it has to be... But I'm not saying you can write about oh. other things. Okay, I'll let you no, it, just, it has to be the most airtight, no fat on the joke, most brilliant, original perspective ever. But I, you just get that as a, you know what? Yeah, you could keep that. You I agree, I mean? but everyone who's saying that you can't write because there's no new experiences, that's, that's I agree there's no new experiences, so, but that doesn't mean you can just write about coronavirus. Is that a bad mindset you're saying? No, no, what I'm doing right now, what I'm trying to do is instead of, like, because I have no, you're right, I have no new experiences going on now. So what I'm doing is I'm going back and looking at things that have happened in the past that I haven't written about. So you can work on with old experiences that you never found the funny. Uh, Rogan also says some interesting. Uh, he was saying like they'll be like comedians will be in like this automated mode where they're like they'll tell jokes that they think are funny to get laughs, but it's not real and authentic. So it's not real to them, and it's not as good because when you're experiencing personal experience or something that's funny to you, it's way better than what you think the crowd will be think is funny. Oh something yeah, no, it's a yo. I can't explain the feeling either, but. The only time I could really and like like Zaps probably heard me. You guys have definitely probably heard me say this before. Where, uh, before I'll tell a joke just to get the rhythm back, I'll tell one that I know works that I don't feel like telling, and it legitimately feels like you got called in class and they're making you read this part out of. Like it just feels that way. There's no it passion to it. Like the passion's gone. 
No, no, that's why, like, I'll be looking down and saying that sometimes. Like, uh, let me tell you one that no work. Uh, you take yeah. out your phone, start playing Candy Crush as you play the, the joke. But are you doing the joke for the crowd, or is it is something you experienced that was just, you know, evolved now? I mean, there's a difference, no. I think, because he was saying there's, like, people who, like, go for the trendy joke to make funny, to be make it funny, but it's, like, not really themselves. And he's, like, you're in, like, automate, you're, like automated mode, like a fucking robot with no, like, real feeling, he said. No, I was going more towards the. I, I've definitely told old jokes to get rhythm back because I don't think I there's know anything wrong with that. Not, it's not that though. It's. I get what you're saying though. There is there there is something wrong when you when it's you doing it because you're looking at yourself like man, you already know this joke works. Why am I doing this? Like, but at the same time, if you're a strategist, you're gonna be like, well, the stuff I want to talk about later, I need them to still trust me somewhat, and there has to be I a little. Momentum. So then you get stuck in between the what I want to do versus what I have to do. That's you know. Yeah, speaking um, of winning the trust of the audience, Alex. Well, going you, off of what Danny, said, I think it's about being evol- evolving too. Well, Danny, you said that you can. Like I think, like Alex, you t- Alex, you tweeted it the other day. Whatever. It's like if you come out of this and you're just doing cor- Corona quarantine jokes, like it's gonna be it's gonna be you know annoying or they have to be really good or whatever. But like someone like me who like I try I like to do like I ca- I'll like I'll if I go to see a comic after we get out of all this and they don't touch on the quarantine or the Corona at all, I'll just be like I think that's a little odd. like just personally to me because I like to do I like to do what you say. I'm not gonna talk about. It. Uh, okay. Um, I like to do like some. I like like me personally. I like to do topical shit here and there. Like you probably noticed. So like, yeah. you know, as long as it's not a fucking uh, hack, even though that's when Louis when Louis started really, touring again, you hang saw. On, it. I'm talking right here. A really stupid joke gets upset. I don't understand why you can't do fucking Corona jokes if they're funny. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna try a couple. And if you want to tell me to go fuck myself, that's fine. Well, R- well Rogan was saying ignited a flame in me because it was like, damn, that's pretty cool. Because he was like a ag- he wasn't against it. You gotta listen to the episode with Tom Green. It's pretty interesting. And he was just saying like, don't do jokes that are like automated, like robotic, like everyone's trying to do to make the crowd funny. He's like, do what you fucking think's funny and like you're in like the inner circle or whatnot. And just Wait, be I, you out there. Be should, authentic. We should, start, we should start a drinking game for how many times Sweens can mention Tom Green on one podcast. I just, I just was a big – I went to Tom Green rabbit hole because I called in on his thing and I was talking to him. So it was yeah, interesting. Was that, last episode. that when he fell asleep? He fell asleep later, but that wasn't me. He was, like, just taking a <laughs> call. Sure you didn't tucker Tom Green that out? That was legendary. No. I mean, I think the whole thing is, like, if you go do corona jokes or quarantine jokes and, and you have the premise, you do the joke – and then eight other people go up and have the exact same premise or vice versa, then okay, I'm not going to do it. But if I think I have a funny fucking joke and it's about Corona or quarantine, I'm going to fucking do it. I think you it know? just takes time to be who you are. It's just going to seem like the, it's, but it's, it's going to be like, people are going to come out. They're going to go out to a comedy club. They're going to be like, Oh, thank God. Coronavirus is over. I can finally go out. And the first seven comedians are going to be talking about coronavirus. That's yeah, why I like people, podcasting some people better. are going to be like, but then some people are going to be like, wait, I want to hear this guy's Corona jokes. Cause I've seen it from a different wait, Danny split but like people when it was first happening and like people were trying to do a mesh dress people tuned out after like the second or third you place. know who had a you know who had a funny joke of, I didn't about even know, it wasn't, last time i was at stress it wasn't even a thing so i don't have i've never done any jokes on it in front of people can we do a study because i really believe in you guys aren't big uh fans of this a, I really, wait my, my bad danny was saying it's not a time for oh What's up? I was, I was trying to ask Danny. I was saying, say if someone was doing a podcast every day, then did stand up, would they be sharper than the person who didn't do stand up for a month? And then also, I really believe that there's comedians out there who literally take their podcast monologues and go up on the stage and use them as jokes. 
Cause like, like you're saying about this coronavirus situation, it'd be way easier just to say it in a podcast, like a nice little introduction, 10 minutes of what's going on in the world instead of hitting that stage time to do it. It's funny. I don't know. Um, it's kind of, you're announcing it though. You're telling the story. I'm trying to go back and write like the most recent thing that I've been writing is this, Tom already knows about it, but it's a bit about this guy who cut my hair with only three fingers. And I now have like a new two minutes wow. about it. And it's very, it's a good bit that I can't wait to do on stage. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it happened like eight months ago. And when it happened, I went, oh, that's funny. But I never like wrote it down or made it into a bit. So now that I have all this fucking time, I spent like five hours writing this into like a new two minute chunk. Did you and find it, the notes in your phone or you're just no, thinking about I mean, the experience? No, I was just thought, I didn't even write it down at the time. Why didn't you get out the chair? No, but so the, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. That's just a funny thing. I would have I would have been like, this is hilarious. Yeah, it's but, very funny. I know what you mean. Like the last thing I was working on before Corona was like some dumb comparison between Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. But like two years later or, or eight months later, I can finally hit back on the stage. Am I going to want to do that shit and hack and dumb joke? Or am I going to want to try and bang out some Corona jet? Honestly, it's the no, first step. At least you know you're a hack. It's not one or the other. At least I do it. Pussy. The <laughs> what do you say, Alex? Dan stayed in that chair. Oh, yeah, no. So, no, yeah. no. Well, at no, least he wasn't blind. No, no, listen. <laughs> Um, if you were getting your hair cut and you saw a pair of chicken feet holding clippers. Fuck, that upsets because in the, the first line to the joke, the first line to the joke is, I got my hair cut by this guy, Greg Clips, you only have three fingers. Have you ever gotten your hair cut by a chicken's foot before? I <laughs> actually think of the, the, I think of the Butler and Scream movie too. And then, and then the next line is like, it's like, it's like he's cutting your hair with a claw machine, but the prize is he no longer has to work at Great Clips. <laughs> the Butler and yeah. Scream movie too, I'm thinking of. The weird my right hair is not strong enough. Take my little hair cut by E.T. Uh, that's that's fucking um. Turn it, fuck turn it from uh, change it if I it, change it from chicken to tripod. <laughs> yeah, and then your camera uh, on. like I I realized he had three fingers when he went. He goes, oh, come sit over here. Wait, you know how they do those shows where they show like the visuals of the person after? Like if you showed the guy from Scary Movie Two, it'd be funny, right? People will be relate. Do you think there's comedians out there? Because I really feel like sometimes it is a weird vibe that they do jokes on stage for for YouTube now to like have that they'll put the captions or they'll put the funny picture of what they're thinking and then they'll talk. Do you think people do that? In in I, I missed the question. Completely. Say if you're in a stand-up comedy club the stress factor you over the weekend and you got a film guy like and you put that up on YouTube and then like you're doing your joke, right, about the guy with three fingers, and then they someone uh, like put a visual of that on YouTube, like the visual of the guy with three fingers while you're doing the joke. Do you think comedians are out there doing that? Like, wh why yeah. is that a big thing now? I mean, there. The, the, uh, Hannibal Burris had a screen behind him when I saw him. There's certain people that are doing stuff like that. Oh, yeah, exactly. that was that was hilarious, though. Yeah, the, the bit about uh with the screen, because sometimes you really do just need a visual aid. But the uh, but you can the make one, the visual, like in the in the in the, the, the one with bit. The about splits. <laughs> was more disturbed than this and it was just like a mound of weed with tobacco in it and he was like oh, it is and it was just tentacle porn <laughs> in the finger but you can just make your own visual like in the finger bit uh one of the lines i wrote is uh i, I can't imagine who gives so many haircuts like i don't know who would want so i asked him how many haircuts did you give out today and he went well let's see i gave out one two three four five <laughs> 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 going, go, going back to Alex's thing, make, you make your own visual yeah going back what? to Alex's thing when you talk about old jokes is kind of like the same when we were talking early on about like uh, self-deprecating humor I think like over time like say the 20 year old you 
you will you're gonna do self-deprecating humor but the 40 year old you will probably evolve and be different it's kind of like uh the growth of Howard Stern or Charlemagne or like, like I see it on radio, people growing like Charlemagne ain't calling like saying he's going to suck a fart out of JLo's butt anymore or women bitches. And Howard Stern isn't trying to fuck like all models anymore. It's like over time you grow into different uh, things. Yeah, I agree. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know one thing though. Yeah. That I've been, uh been looking over notes and stuff and I'm like, dude, I was like, I need to burn all this material in the next year or two. I was like, yeah, this shit needs to be on. I haven't looked at one thing or written one thing. I was like, this shit needs to be finished. Yeah, yeah, nah. That's the other thing. I think why, everyone why comes out burn? of this. I think everyone's going to come out of this with new shit because no, no. the shit you were doing is going to be already so old, but we can get back on stage. I, I think Sebastian's going to do all quarantine jokes. Have you noticed what Sebastian's been doing with like this is so crazy? My my one of my uncles called me up and was like, Did you see Sebastian's bit about social distancing? I was like, No. What what is it? And he sent me the link. It was not a bit about social distancing. Sebastian's been taking his old like it was from like one of his old specials and he just cut the clip and it wasn't had nothing to do with social it was about swimming in pools and he doesn't want to be near people in the pool, but it wasn't about social distancing at all. And he just titled it Social Distancing Comedy, Sebastian Maniscalco. It's smart. And, uh, a lot of people are archiving their old clips, which is smart because like there's but, no expiration date on something what? that make people laugh. But my you, my, my, my I'm saying what, Sweeney? What? Archiving, not archiving, you dip fuck. Whatever, archiving <laughs> clips. A lot of people are archiving clips, like old clips. You know how you said your shit feels old and stuff? Dude, some fucking yeah. comedy fan could love your joke from like ten years ago. You know what I mean? It's just perspective, as in a way. But but, it, but it, to me, it's but, interesting. But that but that's fine. It's the fact that the matter is, I didn't even put, I didn't even put this stuff out yet, and I'm I'm like, yo, get this away from me. Like, like, <laughs> you put, yeah, you're already tired of it. It's like a. Oh, it was old, interesting to me. It. it was interesting to me that my uncle didn't see past it. Like he actually thought, like he was confused on how he had this audience. It's proof people don't look into stuff like us, like a like a main creator. Like the consumer just wants the funny. You know what I'm saying? Like we yeah. overthink so much. Yeah, that's the thing too. Imagine putting so much blood, sweat, and tears into a project, and somebody's like, "Yeah, that was alright." Yeah, like my friends <laughs> at the podcast, they don't even listen. They got to be a bar I stool. I didn't get it some of the parts, but yeah, it's was, it was cool. It's cool, man. I'd rather have, even though you want your friends to support you and listen, I'd still rather have random people I don't know, like like us. You need those. You need those obsessive listeners of podcasts. Remember the article, like I said. Well, it's 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 weird because with the show, it's that like most shows in the past, I would like have to beg my friends to come, and now with Verve, that I get an audience that I don't know, like I I have to beg my friends to not not come. Like, I, I don't want the audience to just be all my friends if I can't have a real audience. Yeah, that's always weird, too, because when you're performing, you don't know if they're laughing because they think it's funny or they're laughing because yeah. it's so bad. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I hate performing in front of people I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Me I, too. I do know. Right? Me too. I I and know. everyone always brings out their friends to their shows and shit, especially early on and shit. And, like, I would never even dream of bringing anyone I knew to my shows. I mean, everyone's I, made a mistake. I did that very first time I ever went up. And I, I didn't. I'm looking at myself now, like, why the hell did I do that? But oh, God. I'll go I, think, I, I think I, that I only invited a bunch of people that I knew because I knew that I wouldn't do it if there wasn't people that, like, showed up for, you know what I mean? Like, like if I didn't know anybody I stressed that day and I was going to, like, 23rd or something like that, I would have walked out. After the the guy who lost the football bet at stress and brought like a hundred people and then just did like thirty seconds. 
So that like was, everyone was, after fucking when March rolls around, yeah. So that was that was. A We're still waiting on Alex to do March Madness. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, two thousand. I mean, Sam Stevens are supposed to battle it out. Was it? What what, what year was that? Two thousand twenty. I think twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Man, time flies, dude. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. It was the year you did Montclair. You did Walmart. Yo, March Madness at Stress Factory. The, the yeah, I'm so mad. Yeah, they should. They should. Uh, not nah, you know. Like, like they looked me out with some stuff, but I. That that would have been a really good matchup. Me and Sam Stevens. You should do it. Yo, Sam was on fire. That like the like that last like year. Sam was just on a tear. Mm. What do you say, Danny? Remember, remember he showed up in the half shirt with the lipstick, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was do like, remember that. Yeah, I remember. I remember biting like, his nails, spin him out of his room. What a savage loser! Zappy is <laughs> biting his nails and spinning him out of his room while talking to us. Like those uh, sunflower no. seeds. <laughs> Just kidding. He's what do you think? Of, what do you think of Stevie Blue? Is that allowed? Like, it's kind of funny. Do you know that story? He's an opener talking? for Callan, right? And uh-huh. he dates a fucking porn star, and he's in her videos, and he just fucks he her, up. and then he yeah, blew up. And he's, he's blowing up more, and he fucks this hot ass girl, this porn star, and he does comedy. He's kind of big. Yeah, he's, he's done. Always oh, done stand up though. He just happened to start dating a porn star. It's fucking so hilarious what? though. It's getting him more fans. Okay, so what? Who gives a fuck? That's great. Is that anything wrong with that or no? Have you ever considered just putting your stand up set on Pornhub? His the, dick is just out. Lamar did that. Lamar did that. It like blew up. He put a clip on Pornhub. He I put interviews on there. Porn interviews. People got mad in the comments because it wasn't nudity. Someone, someone. Did you see the? According some, to YouTube, it is. Someone put the whole movie The Big Sick on Pornhub under interracial. There's movies. There's new movies on the site I used, too. I thought it was funny. I didn't see The Big Sick. So being a That's porn star. That's a male movie, right? Yeah. Yo, you got you to gotta look at the comments. I'm not going to lie. There'd be some crafty people uh, in porn comments. Yeah, they Dude, are funny. Some dude, wrote like, uh, some dude wrote like a crazy long paragraph, right? And then, like, it didn't have, like, many responses, but there was one response that had, like, so many likes. And some dude was like, yo, I'm just – he goes, it's crazy if you typed all that with one hand. And <laughs> That's pretty funny. People write, like, think like, pieces in porn, interview, porn interviews or porn content. Oh, dude. No, nah, I just think porn acting is the funniest thing to ever grace a, a screen. And the community in comments, like you said. Yo, yeah. Who's commenting be- on porn? Yo, those people commenting on my videos about like religious stuff, like 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 it was weird. I don't know why are you commenting and looking. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Some people it's just real. do that all day. They comment. Like you to any fucking big YouTube video, I've had a gazillion comments. I've never yeah. even thought to anywhere unless it was to post something of mine there, so it gets clicks. Wait, I had something that said something about social media. I had like a caller, like a clip for the podcast about social media. And someone uh, wrote a comment, like, thinking we were somebody who fixes social media. And they were saying, remember, their boyfriend got logged out. I was like, what? I thought it was a joke. It was, like, some fucking idiot, like, commenting about, like, helping me help her get her password back from social media. I'm like, what? <laughs> It'd be funny if people were commenting on porn videos the way they do on stand-up videos. Like, missionary? Hack. <laughs> I like missionary. Yeah, yeah. I gotta meet these commenters. I think they're they gotta be like like I thought they were bots or just like completely stupid. It was like a real person like saying, Um I had the title like social media in my post. It was like some weird interview we did. And like the she they wrote they, someone wrote in the comments like my boyfriend's been trying to get back into the Facebook and he's been logged out. Could you help us out? And I was like, What the fuck? Just because the title we were talking about social media or whatever. 
She might have been yeah. the dipshit. Nah, might have like tried Google and said did YouTube. I don't know. Yo, Mike, have you how many how many how many porns have you commented under? I don't I'm not a commenter. I accidentally like if I'm like, you know, I don't why would I, think, I comment? I think most people aren't commenters. It's just that there's a lot of people who are that you don't know. Or it's not even that many. It's just the ones that are. Like I watch YouTube all day. Just one comment. Never commented on a video ever. Even like my my favorite videos of podcast music videos never left one. Alex, comment. that's a good te- that's a good premise of a TV show or podcast. Get the people with the top comments on Pornhub like over to do interviews uh, or like dude. call them up and see who they are. That is going to be a lot of jean shorts, you know, <laughs> a lot of hooks for hands, you know, like stuff like that. Wearing echo hands. Yo, these people get, yo, I, I just don't understand like certain, certain people's thought process behind like you sit on your laptop all day. You're on point up all day. Like, I, I feel like you're looking at me and I don't like that. No, no, no. <laughs> How about the Twitter? Alex, what about Twitter? It's weird. Like the people who go viral, I never get that either. And like, they're like right place, right time with the joke right away. And then they're like, if you want to donate a dollar to help me out or whatever. And then they like, get like like ten thousand dollars from a tweet like how does that happen or like listen to my thing right here i just made a song on soundcloud it's shitty but try like listen it'll get like a million views sometimes yo the way comedy be i wish i was a soundcloud rapper sometimes, i might bro. be a soundcloud rapper yeah i could lay out some bars but isn't that yeah, weird yeah. how like people will just go t- viral off a tweet and it's just like yeah. weird but it's yeah, not what, getting them any success it's just because a soundcloud rapper named you true what would Sweeney's base? The Sweeney. No, 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 yours. What would yours? Mine was Big Virus. I did a quarantine rap name. Or oh, they had quarantine virus. rap names. Mine was something very bad. Mine, mine was, was Big 99.9% or some shit. <laughs> mine was OG Virus. But mine would be yeah, either like Young T Sizzle. mustache little personality. No, it's my personality is bigger than yours. Actually, yours is pretty fucking big. No, mine would be Young T Sizzle or... Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Big mustache, little personality. You gotta have oh. young. You have to have younger no, no, no. little in front of it to be a SoundCloud yeah, rapper, right? If Danny was a SoundCloud rapper, his name would be Young Amish. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a rapper? Laffy Taffy Braffy. I want that. Yeah. No, that. He'd be he'd be Young Heeb. Young Heeb. Yeah. Hebrew Hammer. I used to call my friend that. <laughs> what Mike be? What Sweeney be? Yo, I got, we got to go soon. Zappy's chewing his finger off, dude. Here's the thing. Sweeney, uh, Sweeney, yeah. Sweeney, I feel like Sweeney actually could be one. The rest of us are hypothetical, but Sweeney, I feel like, could actually be something. <laughs> Maybe like a manager of someone. Those managers are <laughs> getting money. Do comedy managers get a lot of money? Get 10%, son? What's do, do, do you ever feel like, what's the future of the ecosystem of, like, entertainment? Like, what do you think will happen? Like, there's, like, a whole middle ground of people losing their jobs, like, in entertainment. I think I think everything will go back to semi-normal. Well, I heard someone say that like Live Nation right now as a stock is a good idea. Just fucking buy all because Live Nation is so low because all events are canceled, but they're gonna go up again, so it's like almost guaranteed to go back. Ticketmaster too. Ticketmaster is not letting you get refunds. No, Ticketmaster is owned by Live Nation. Yeah, same shit, right? They're a sneaky company. Oh, was that real? If you bought concert tickets, you got fucked on a refund. I think so. I think I bought concert tickets for September actually. Oh man, maybe I never bought them. Would you go? I wonder. I was going to go see um, that Asbury Park has a music festival with Pearl Jam headlining. Pearl Jam and somebody else. But you I don't think understand I what they're saying. I don't think I bought them. Isn't that the movie ne- Ted, Pearl Jam? You can never hear what they're, understand what they're saying. I was never a real Pearl Jam guy, but there was, some, there was another band there that I was interested in. I forget who it was. Definitely like going it. with some hippie. You're, it's going to get canceled. Right? That's a hippie dude. Oh, of course. 
Dude, how many Red Hot Chili Peppers concerts have you been to? Only one. Wait, you and Waldo have the same tattoo? No. Did you see that Justin Bieber had like a, a stadium tour that they, then coronavirus happened and then he moves it down to an arena tour and was kind of apologizing because people weren't buying tickets because of coronavirus? So like, I'm sorry, I have to do an arena. I'm so sorry about that. Like, yeah, oh, uh, no, Al, the Dirty Heads are going to be there and I kind of like them. That's why I want to think about The Dirty Heads, they're like reggae. They're kind of like slime. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I know. It's just a bunch of, uh, bunch of white dudes with dreads, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. I, now, you know what's funny? I used to confuse them for, uh, what's the other? Uh, there's a lot of bands. There's, well, there's a, lot a lot of, of shitty reggae bands. It's very interesting, actually. No, there's a lot of bands, but there's like another one that's a bunch of white dudes, dreads. They kind of sound like reggae-ish, but it's something else. Could be slightly stupid. Do you think image yeah. is important? Oh, I like them, too. <laughs> I, like, I like reggae. I love do you think image is important? What are you yeah. saying right now? Image like the what? image of anything, of the entertainer, or even comedian, like to know somebody. Yeah, because as an entertainer, you're the, you're the product that people are buying into. The product needs a... But the key packaging is they don't want to feel like they're buying into a product. Packaging what? is a marketing tool. No, but you said those fucks with the dreadlocks. You're like, you knew who they were, but off of that, isn't that funny? Well, anybody's going to notice a dread- guy no, with dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it, it also stuck with me because uh, that band, Slightly Stupid... Uh, so good. That I was confusing for uh, the other band, uh, Dirty Heads. Uh, I forget whichever one I saw first, but that was my introduction to uh, white people having dreadlocks. <laughs> so funny, and see you just put the Dirty Heads have more dreadlocks, so it might have been no, no, like that. No, that's no, like I, it was. I remember it was one of the two bands, but I saw that and I was like, oh, they could do that. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. And There's then, some guy who would always go to the Stress Factory. Not always, but he went a couple times. A white guy, and he had huge dreads. He would sit in the crowd oh, and watch. Nah, nah, nah. Wait, wait. It, he came to Stress, or did he used to come to 10th Street? Because do you no, remember? Oh, or- I seen him at Stress. I only ever went to 10th Street twice, so I don't know. But I, I saw him at Stress uh, at least twice. Nah, there used to be this kid at 10th, too. I think he had mad dreads. Yeah, it's a risky move pulling off the dread as a white guy. Yo, I was there when my boy started his. This kid. <laughs> this I have no comment. Yeah, this Danny, kid, why don't you try it? He was just sitting like outside the skate shop and he's just rubbing his hair. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like some <laughs> the hair? And he yeah. goes, nah, dude, I'm giving myself dreads. And I was like, yeah, right. And then I saw him like two weeks later and half of his hair was locked up. And like Damn. the other half was just like, just like out there still. Did the Sebastian video? He's doing it again. Yeah. No, a new one. The moment we are allowed out of a quarantine with an old thing. It's smart, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I gotta pee. How long? What, what's the timer at? Now we're gonna end it. We did like an hour ten. All right, Danny. Image is important. Like uh, even on stage, like having a certain image to look. This was really fun. I really appreciate yeah, look you guys having me on. Oh, thanks for coming on, buddy. You're thanks one for not the, listening. You're a you're a you're a, a Jew comic, but you're not like like you know just a mix like the rest of them. You're like you're oh, you're your own Jew. You know, like you can we, I can pick you out of a crowd of Jews. You know what I mean? It's like the it's like the Where's Waldo of Jews. Yeah, it's a compliment. No, yeah, no, it's funny. No, that's serious. Like, I could go into, like, any record label and be like, there's Danny. You know, like, yeah. like. <laughs> what? <laughs> you're, the, so, you're, the fucking, you're Jerry Teller. So, wait, how would you explain your comedy? Um, like, you're Jewish, you do Jew jokes, but you're not Jewish. I don't, I don't do, do I do Jew jokes? No, he doesn't. I don't think so. I'm just asking what they were, like, what they were insinuating. I wouldn't say, I think, here's what I think. You're I memorable, think, like, you're, like, have all the Jewish tendencies. I'm very, 
awkward, uncomfortable. Um, here's what I think. I've well, never you talk a lot. You talk a lot, which Jews do, but usually only when they get comfortable. And I feel like you just do it always. And you like flying, but not driving. Very interesting. Here's what's interesting. And, and something that I think describes who I am as a comic on stage. I've never been heckled ever. Never in my life have I ever been heckled. And I, my theory, people fear I mean, you? why that is, bad. what? People fear you or feel bad? No, I feel like when I first walk on stage, they go, oh, that person has Down syndrome and I'm not going to heckle him. <laughs> I don't think so. And I then, don't think so. No, uh, Down syndrome, I'm trying to help him out. percent stand behind that statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you went on Kill Tony, that's very interesting. They said you didn't look funny and they didn't give you a shot and then you actually won them over, which is actually a good so, thing. So, so, people, so people don't heckle me because they feel bad for me at first and then pretty quickly, I hope I can win them over and then they don't heckle me because I already won them over. It's almost like you kind of, you might look like, not saying this is true, you might look like a hack comedian, but then go up there and do great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, no, that, that might be what it is. You look like a typical, like, shitty comedian who sucks, and then you go up there and you kill, and they're like, holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm bad at Is that a compliment, or is it like, I don't want to be mean? Great compliment. What a way to end it. Yes. Well, come to comedy at Verve and see for yourself if I'm shitty or not. Comedy of Verve, and in about eight months, we're all allowed yeah, back. It's almost like under – no, you have a good strategy. You under-promise, over-deliver? No? I don't know if I'm under-promising. I feel like I'm actually funny, and now, now I don't know. No, about. no, no. No, because Kill Tony, they're like, I wasn't expecting much. Yeah, yeah. You were saying, though, that people, like, look at you, and they're like, oh, this dude's probably not that funny. But yeah. it, it almost you almost put them on their back with that first joke when people hear like, like once they realize, Oh, this kid's structured and he's funny. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, like I remember, uh, what was that? What was, remember the first time you had like a big applause break? The first time it ever? That, it was that stress. But I remember being there where like, I remember you were like looking around shocked and I'm like, no dude, you're funny. <laughs> Are you talking about the time where people chanted my name and I got uncomfortable about it? That might have been. That maybe. was the weird. That was too weird. That was fucking crazy. I yeah, mean, you, but it was your first one, dude. Nobody saw it. Nobody like. You know, <laughs> that was insane. Like, that was insane. Wait, no, you got applause break, and we just started chanting Danny. And <laughs> on Danny's face, you would swear he was bombing. Like, like I remember like, that. That wasn't that long, though, right? You guys have a no, fear when you're killing. Like, like, it's like. Do you have a fear when you're killing? It's like, all right, I only have five minutes tonight. I don't want to go a full hour because I might say something that will shock everyone or, or, sh- or I'll start to be like really bad, shitty jokes. You get what I'm saying? It's like, say if you did like a half hour and you're like, all right, I'm really doing great, but I don't want to say anything too fucking controversial. I really fucking shock the room and make me like bomb or start bombing. I, like, I, I don't enjoy want the tides to turn. There's, there's I go the, about it. I go the like, opposite way. I, I enjoy shocking the room. I know, but yeah. I'm saying, like, you know when you're killing so much, it's like, how can I get any higher than this? And, it's like, all of a sudden, you're, like, stock market dropping. Like, oh, fuck, I'm bombing. Does you ever have a fear that. of that? That's fun. That's what makes it fun. To me, that's fun. Yeah, here's where, the, uh, here's where the, the defense mechanism kicks in. I've literally heard myself go, like, why, like in the middle of people, like, 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 there's a lot of noise. It's going well. And I've been like, how do I mess this up right now? Like, I've heard myself say that. And then I search. That's anxiety. I search for the no. I literally search for the no, stuff to tone it down, because how dope is it if like you got the room going off, you toned it down, and then you did it again. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like, it's like almost like controlling an orgasm. Like, yeah, dude. they want to make them come right away, or you don't want to come right away. 
<laughs> oh, oh, you think I'm too funny? I'll hit you with this rape joke, make you uncomfortable. Well, you know how you get really high and excited? Like, I feel like I'd be like, oh, I'm going to say something like so crazy and fuck really, like fuck up bad. And then be like, oh, fuck, everyone hates me. No, nah, no, nah, I nah. just said the N-word. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, there's still That's my go-to when I'm doing too well. I like to say the N-word. That's what I do. <laughs> That beard, yeah, with that beard, bro, it, it really. <laughs> like shock jock or some comedians, like they always want to take something to the next level in a bit, and it's like, you, how far is too far? How's that line? You know what I mean? Like wait, when there's no way. thought attached, when there's like legitimate, because you can. That's a, that's how you get in a creative rut too. No, I'm saying you can offend somebody, and 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 you can explain to them, like even if they're mad about the joke, you could be like yo well i said this because of this and this is where i thought it would be and when you explain that they go oh all right this dude's not just talking shit he was attempting something you know what i mean whereas yeah. there's dudes that will legitimately say the most vile crude thing to say just to be able to say that they said it and then that's when stuff starts going hard like, i like a joke that splits up a couple like i want a joke to like have the I want the boyfriend to be laughing hysterically and then the girlfriend offended that her boyfriend is laughing at the joke. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Those are always good. <laughs> Cause the other way around is never great. The other way around when you got it when you just got a dude staring at you angrily and his yeah. and his girl dying, you're like, oh, this isn't good. Shit's interesting. I don't want to take like all night, but it's just so interesting how like they got a like the reason they're going to see you. A lot of them is like they found you somewhere, TV show, podcast, and then like you got you win you won them over initially, and then to to win them over fully is to do good on stage. Like even mm -hmm. Locker said, Locker's what sixty five. He's like, I'm not gonna go to a comedy show if I don't know someone. I want the free content first. I want to see him on, on the internet or wherever, and then I'll go see it if if I think they're funny. He likes people on his phone. He looks on the phone, and then he'll go to the show if they're funny. Mm. Speaking of uh, when you, you mentioned earlier, I should have said it then, but I forgot about it. When you were saying about saying something that just you're killing too hard and then you just lose everything. The craziest moment I think that ever happened at Comedy Ever was when Aaron Berg was headlining the second time and he was killing. Like, he's just so funny. Killing, killing, killing. Everyone's on board. And he looks at a couple and he says, hey, uh, how many do you have kids? And they go, yeah. And he goes, how many kids? And then they pause and then go, two. And he goes, oh, you shouldn't have to pause. You should just know. And then the, the guy goes, our, kid, our, our son died in, in June. And then it, it, he went from everybody loving him to the fucking, all the air was sucked out of the room. Yeah. And, and it, it went, for, it was crazy how it went from like the, I've never seen anyone kill this hard to a fucking, everyone knows now like, what's happening, what's happening. Because no one blamed him for asking the question. But yeah, it just yeah. stopped. And then, and then he paused for a moment. And it was like, oh, well, thank you for coming out and trying to laugh. Um, and now I have to work my way out of this mess. And then that, just acknowledging it, kind of got a little bit of a, eh, yeah, right? Yeah. And then it took him like two minutes to get it back. But then he did. And just seeing someone, I've never seen anyone lose a room harder than that moment. I think that's the right thing to like, do, though. Acknowledge the uh, situation, not really his mistake, yeah. and be vulnerable in that situation. Be yeah. like a real human and not a robot. Yeah. You, and, can't uh, go into, you can't go into a joke right there after that. You know what I mean? Yo, yeah, but but but, but that that second of a pause, bro, is the scariest because you're sitting there going, like 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 you as a comic, you're already thinking of what's the funniest thing I could say, and to have to just pump the brakes on that immediately and be like, wait a who's, second, wait who's a second. here right now? I do. Oh my lord! <laughs> yes. No bro. skincare routine. Zappy is biting his hand. No, it's not eleven o'clock at night. I'm working on a project. What do you want?
Oh, Zabia oh. said he wants Who's to take Danny Braff. Hi, Danny Braff. How's it going, Sam? He's also he's also Jewish. Do I know you? No, I don't. I don't know who you are. Okay, who are you? Inform you, me. You're so, you're so conversational. <laughs> are we just? Are we, is this attack mode? You, you, no, you I'm just one. No, he's the intern. The only one here who I don't know. He's the you're intern. Here, I don't know. I'm not anyone's intern. I'm I'm an entrepreneur nowadays. <laughs> stronger by we we're just talking about entrepreneurs. Stronger yeah, by Sam. Stronger, right, stronger by Sam coming soon. You heard it here first. Bro, you with facial hair is weird. I'm gonna pinch your cheeks and bring you 200 Twitter followers right now. Facial <laughs> hair. Danny Braff roast you for Stronger by Sam. Danny Braff's a comedian, and this is Sam, the ex intern. Sam Brent. That's the Jewish last name I've ever seen. Sam's a yeah, keep no my brand. What? Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> okay. I'm working with my parents, so I will talk to you guys later. Tell them uh, I love them. I I Stay safe. Hey, we love you, Sam. Yeah, I'm working on a project. See you. Bye. It looks yeah. like he, his skin changes color depending on his environment. It does. <laughs> <laughs> When he's around us, it gets really, really white. He's an entrepreneur. That's <laughs> funny. Stronger by Sam. All right, Danny. Uh, comedy at Verve in about eight months. At what are you at, Danny Braff on Instagram? Oh, really on Instagram at Danny Braff. <laughs> eight months at Danny Braff. All right, dude. Thanks a lot for coming on. I know it was a long so time much. waiting. Oh, were you we guys doing you. anything with social media wise? Oh, oh, comedy comedy wise? Like yeah, like are you like? Like, you can't do stand-up comedy right now, so what's the plan? So I'm posting clips. Yeah, put more clips, clips. Yeah. I'm trying to post. Oh, yeah, I should say this. I'm posting more clips. I'm trying to help promote you. This, I posted, like, two this week. Yeah, I'm going to try to make some sketches. I'm, gonna, I'm filming one tomorrow. I have a, I'm doing a thing on Instagram Live every day, 2 p.m. I'm calling it Walking Bits. And it's uh, – I'm, 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 it. Yeah, Tom did it already. It's, it's, Tom, I think, had the best episode so far. Oh, um, I got to do it. I got to do it. I'd love to have you on, Alex. I think I texted you. You didn't text back, but that's okay. I, uh, I had a I had a crazy I had a crazy uh past few days. Everybody's hitting me up saying my bad. Yeah, I get you, it. No you, problem. So no, you every day, two p.m. No, no, no. Yeah, we are gonna do it. But yeah, just just let you know, you fall into the same group as my mom. She didn't get a text back neither. <laughs> 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 Yeah, All so right, you're yeah. like, get back to me when you birth me. Got to stay safe out here, coronavirus. <laughs> so we still think IG live comedy shit's whack? Yeah, I think it's whack, but I'm doing it anyway. No, like I'm even not, like the uh, even uh, like the live shows and shit like people are doing. Like, you know what I mean? Like Danny's got shows. a show in an hour. So how yeah, I'm doing one that? tonight for the first time ever, and I'm regretting doing it. I regret uh, agreeing to do it, but I'm doing just it. Be a good time. Just, do just do it. Just do it, Nike. Just do it. All right, dude. Thanks a lot. We love you. You're Thank funny. you. You're a funny guy, you. and thanks for coming on. Keep it peace. Keep it safe. Love you. Peace. For real. He's so nice. Yo, keep it basement. Keep it basement. Back at it, baby, with the bang bangers. Nigga, shut your ass up, man. I don't give a fuck, man. You are listening to Keep It in the Basement, like most Italians. If you're not Italian, keep it there anyway. Well, that's cool, because you're a fan. I'm a fan, too. You know what I'm saying? I think... To me, fans make the best interviews. You know what I mean? Like, cause, cause we're asking the questions from a fan perspective. When you're a true fan and you follow the artist and you study your artist and you know an artist's music, you know an artist's background, you know the questions, the right questions to ask because you're asking questions from a fan perspective. And not only that, the reason you said that you're able to talk to 
uh, your favorite artist for an hour. It's not that you're able to talk to them for an hour. It's you're able to listen to them for an hour. It's a yeah. difference. See, a lot of interviewers don't listen. See, I'm a listener. I, like, yeah. like a, a lot of interviewers have 20 questions, and all they want to do is get through those 20 questions. But the yeah. truth about it is, if you ask me a question, if I ask an artist a question, and the artist answers me, if I'm listening, I'm probably going to get something else out of his answer that I want to ask him. And that's what a conversation is all about. Hello? Hello, Sipes? Yeah, what's up? Hey, what's going on? This is Mike Sweeney. Sweeney. What's up, dude? Mike Sweeney, the idiot. Got it. Keep it what radio? Basement. Keep it basement? Like, keep it, like, keep it in the house. Keep it yeah. basement radio? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, hey, what's going on? It's your boy, Lil Dicky. Shout out Mike Sweeney, Swain, and Keep It Basement Radio. What's up, guys? This is Mickey Gall. You're listening to Keep It Basement. Keep It Basement. You are tuned in. <laughs> you are tuned in to the Keep It Basement podcast with your boy, Sweeney. Y'all heard? What up, Sweeney? Now tune to motherfucking derelict. Keep it basement with the Sweens. That's the name of the podcast. Keep it basement with the Sweens. Keep it basement. We out. Welcome the newest sponsor of the podcast, Fleshlight. Fleshlight is the number one male sex toy in the world. With its soft, real feel insert, patented to be so lifelike that many have proclaimed it feels better than the real thing. While there is no substitute for a real woman, amazing inner textures and over a hundred possible combinations to choose from, we all have to work a little harder to keep up. Fleshlights offer an adjustable cap to control the desired suction level you prefer, as well as a channeled sleeve, able to stretch in order to accommodate the repeated discomfort of your girth. Easy to clean and durable, Fleshlight is your number one choice brand for male sex toys. Fleshlight also offers flesh skins, sleeves, anal toys, and accessories, including lube, mounts, cases, sleeve warmers, vibrators, and more. For more information, search Fleshlight on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or visit www.fleshlight.com. This is the Keep It Basin Podcast. Follow us on YouTube, subscribe to us also on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes Music, Laughable, and wherever else you could listen to us and view us. Thank you for tuning in. Keep It Basement is brought to you by Promescent. Promescent is a safe, proven, effective, lasting longer spray that can delay ejaculation and let men enjoy lovemaking in a way that they didn't know was possible. Promescent isn't just a spray to help you last longer in bed. It's a way to slow down the clock, giving you more time to play, more time to explore, and more time to discover new levels of intimacy with your partner. The primary benefit of using Promescent is that it is a local therapy and you won't have the risk of experiencing side effects like you would with an oral supplement. Simple and easy to use, just spray on the underside of the head of your penis and some on the underside shaft as well. Apply three or more sprays, but no more than ten and rub in. Wait five to ten minutes until it is fully absorbed into your skin. Don't forget to wash off the spray before engaging in sexual intercourse. Promescent offers spray, lubricant, condoms, and Betaflux, an erectile dysfunction pill, and offers free shipping on U.S. orders over $10. Follow Promescent on Instagram or visit promescent.com for more information. This is the Keep It Basement Podcast. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Laughable, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you can listen to us at. And also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Keep It Basement. And check the YouTube page out, Keep It Basement YouTube, for more interviews and content coming your way. Thank you for listening. Check out dankstop.com. We have the biggest selection of bongs, vaporizers, accessories, anything that you're looking for in the smoking industry. Use promo code BEAWESOME. That's B-E-AWESOME, A-W-E-S-O-M-E. One word, put it together, no spaces. That's for 15% off. 
check us out. Uh, stay tuned for a giveaway that we're doing with Keep It Basement. Shout out Keep It Basement. You guys were awesome. And hopefully we speak again soon. Thank you, Louie. Shout out to Danks. Yo, this is Sean Kelly, founder of Jersey Champs. <laughs> Sam. I'm not looking at you. What the fuck are you talking about, man? Yo, this is Sean Kelly, founder of Jersey Champs, and you're listening to Keep It Basement. Uh, oh, I would love to tell you. I would love to tell you that basically... Uh, Mike Sweeney, the head president CEO of Keep It Basement, fully admitted. At least you know it. Keep it fucking moving. Um, Porn sex, it's like 45 minutes an hour, but like real sex is like 20 minutes. Well, maybe for me, I guess. Try like three or four hours. Hour and 45 minutes? What the fuck? I mean, it's four hours. Any words of wisdom here? Always use a condom, and if you don't use a condom, make sure you got like really strong pull-out game, okay? <laughs> pull-out game week. Yeah, wear a condom. Are you nuts? I have two hairless cats. I want to. Can you get laid whenever with a bunch of options? How thirsty are your DMs? It's pretty lit. I ain't got Instagram. I don't got tweeters. I don't got nothing. A younger guy pick up a, a woman who's older than him. That's a really great question. How could I approach you and take you back to my room if we were s sitting at a bar? You ask too many fucking questions. Don't ask no fucking questions. Plus, do funny guys get laid more? Oh, yeah, definitely. Would you date a uh, guy with a small penis? Like, how small? <laughs> How's, how big's your penis? Like, four inches? How funny are you? Then you put that video on fucking Worldstar. I hit the thing, it's YouTube. Fuck me up more. Sick of it. Stay down the cellar and shut the fuck up. Now. Keep it basement podcast keep it description. Basement. Find Keep It Basement with the Sweens wherever you get your podcast with host Tom Zappia and Alex Nicholas. Please make that a permanent drop <laughs> in every episode. I scold them myself. Keep It Basement podcast. We out. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Stealth Mode Motorsports. Stealth Mode Motorsports. It's a fucking read-through. What am I supposed to be? Act interested. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Stealth Mode Motorsports. Yeah. Stealth Mode Motorsports serves worldwide motorcycle enthusiasts, racers, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and custom builders with the highest quality, quality OEM parts for Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, Kawasaki, and Ducati, super sport motorcycle models. We buy and sell used motorcycles as well. Based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, StealthModeBikes.com. Also on Facebook and Instagram at StealthModeMotorsports. Need an engine for a car? We supply engines to race teams all over the world. Lay your bike down and don't want to pay dealer pricing? Contact us for a fraction of dealer prices. Specializing in Yamaha R1 and R6, GSXR 650,000, ZX6R, ZX10R, and CBR 1000RR late model years. All current inventory can be found on our eBay store at ebay.com slash str slash stealth mode motorsports. Check them out. What do you want to do? You want to go to the Shipbag Comedy Show and then maybe try to roll through stress? Guys, follow your dreams and listen to Keep It Basement. Rate, subscribe. Hey, thanks, guys. Peace. Just masturbate if all else fails. Peace. Exactly. Good job with California. If you don't like it, fuck it. You get on a plane, fly home. That's it. Take a chance. Four minutes at the, at the, at the, at the, at the comedy club in New Brunswick. Four minutes. Might turn into a, a spot on a Jimmy Kimball Tonight Show. You never know. You got to try it. You just can't stay on a safe route because then you're going to end up being kind of bitter when you get older. That you didn't take no chances. That's it. That's my view on things.